0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Podcasts on 5th Ave. I'm Jordan, here with Jenna Taylor, ready to bring you some really fun Penguins highlights, news, all that good stuff. They had quite the week, the Penguins. Um, they, w- what, they're what? they on a five-game winning streak now. That's one thing. Um, in the absence of Jake Gensel, that's two. Um, Evgeny Malkin still is not back. That's three. That's three. And Evan Rodriguez is playing out of his mind, (laughs) another level. Uh, Jenna, I feel like you kind of, you've been on the Evan Rodriguez train since before day one. So, how validating is this for you to see him real, like blossoming beyond what I think anybody expected him to do, even at his best? Like, he's become. Insane. That one timer slap shot was just unreal. It was like Shades of Ovechkin Yeah. It looked this? <laughs> yeah.
1: I was going to say, it feels great. I'm not going to lie. I would just like to say <laughs> that I predicted what was no. I mean, no one, I don't think anybody came even close to predicting this. I figured, you know, you would think he was going to contribute as a bottom six forward. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody anticipated him scoring the way that he's scoring, but. I feel like I saw this a lot on Twitter and you heard it from him a little bit. You are seeing, and we talked about this last week too, but you're seeing his confidence. You are seeing a confident hockey player who did not feel this way, or at least from what it seemed like to me, when he was in Buffalo or even honestly his first year when he was with the Penguins, because again, when you're in the lineup, you're out of the lineup, you're a healthy scratch, you know, all these types of things, it's hard for that to develop, but we hear all the time in sports in general, you know, next man up mentality. is something that I feel like between covering the Steelers and the Penguins, I hear it at least once a day. It's like, ah, next man up, next man up. Someone's injured. Someone gets COVID things along those lines. But Evan Rodriguez has made the most of his opportunity and then some. And I think that's what yep. you always look for from these guys. And he's out there saying, hey, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it at a really high level, and mm-hmm. I'm contributing. And you can just see how much fun he's having and how much ex- how excited these guys are for him, too, to mm-hmm. see him succeed the way he's succeeding.
0: Yeah, it's been so fun to watch, for sure. Taylor, what do you attribute this rise in production and overall just – skill set because it's not just that he's scoring goals it's that it feels like every single thing about his game has been elevated to a totally different level what is going on with that
2: yeah I mean you ask him what what leads to what has led to this level of success and he just keeps saying confidence 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 but I mean he also is shooting the puck more and I mean I mean that could be just a product of his confidence but yeah looking at like the numbers um He's attempting more. I mean, obviously, he's he's on the ice more, but within that, he's shooting at a higher rate than he ever has before in his career. He's attempting Uh, 16.12 shot attempts per 60 minutes at five on five. He's recording 10 shots on goal per 60 minutes of five on five. Again, both of those are the highest rates of his career. Um, So I mean, that's where you know a lot of the scoring is coming from, but. Mm-hmm. Uh just I mean that that one timer, the, the one that looked like Ovechkin, that looked like a number eight on his back from the uh mm-hmm. the left face off that. That kind of stuff we really didn't see from him before. And I asked him, like, is that something you worked on coming into this season? And he said, you know, yeah, you like you, you work on it a lot after practice and you know uh that helps Crosby, you know, pointed to his shot is is when he was asked, you know, what kind of growth he's seen from uh him this year. So uh, confidence but then he's using that to take more shots but then his his shot is also just better so uh yeah again nine goals that that ties a career high uh in it's like 45 fewer games than when he did it before and then um he crossed the 20point plateau for just a third time in his career and again he's only 20 something games into the season so um i don't know I, i'm so interested to see what kind of contract he's going to get after this Mm. year because, I mean, this is kind of a small sample size, you know, compared to the rest of his career, but he's doing very well. Um, Number two leading score behind Gensel on the team. So, um, yeah, good for him.
1: And it's awesome to kind of see guys like him, guys like Brock McGinn, guys like Mm -hmm. Danton Hyman. I mean, especially Evan Rodriguez, I guess you could call him new word to the Penguins, but obviously McGinn and Hyman being as new as you can be to this team. All of them are finding career success. And yes, again, Mm -hmm. it is because of opportunity, it seems like. But I think McGinn is... I want to say two points away from his uh, total of in 2020, 2021 his point total. Yeah. Heinen just surpassed his goal total. Evan Rodriguez, like these guys are contributing and in Mm -hmm. such beneficial ways. And again, it's been circumstantial, but this is really beneficial for the pens moving forward. When Mm -hmm. again, we talked about this team getting completely healthy all season, but when you have Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel and Brian Rust back in this lineup, just the depth that this team could have is something that I think Penguins fans should really be excited about.
0: Absolutely. And I think it definitely is circumstantial with all the injuries, but when have the Penguins been fully healthy in recent memory? Like it's been a long time since they've been like across the board. Everybody is where they should be and are supposed to be. And we've, we've seen depth guys slot into those higher roles and not really do much not that they've failed but they haven't necessarily they haven't played to this level that these guys are are playing at right now and it's just unbelievable how different uh, types of players really thrive in Mike Sullivan's system and that's definitely what we're seeing right now I don't know again like Evan Rodriguez having been here before (laughs) and then coming back like I was so apprehensive at the thought of having him on the top line going into the season. Like anybody even mentioning mentioning it, I was like, no, nope. We've seen it. We know what we're gonna get. It's not anything good. Leave him down in the bottom six. And now it's like, can he stay up there? It, permanently like who can can we move Brian Russ down to get him it, out like like when, what
2: when Gensel Russ Malkin all come back if you know if the Penguins are ever healthy fully healthy it really does make for some interesting lineup decisions mm-hmm. because I mean Malkin and Russ have played well together so you know your first line still could be Gensel Crosby Rodriguez put Russ mm-hmm. down with Malkin I don't know. Then what happens to Capitan? One of Capitan or Russ, if they are on that second line, would have to play on their offside. It, so it, it's going to be really tricky to see what happens mm-hmm. if the Penguins are ever all healthy at once. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a very lofty goal. That might not even happen. Um, but it's maybe for bad. a day.
1: Maybe for a day. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's going to be a good problem to have uh, if they can get there.
0: Yeah, hopefully. And even with Sid, him coming back from his wrist surgery and then immediately getting hit with COVID. It felt like it took him a little bit to kind of settle back into actual gameplay, but, oh, my goodness, has he been looking like Sid lately, even if he's not scoring incredibly flashy goals, just like the passes that he was making last night were off the charts bonkers. Like, the his hockey intuition and IQ is – uh, beyond explanation. I, I don't know how he sees things before they happen. It's like he – I don't know. It's like he creates these scenarios in his head and then manifests them just by making a pass. It's unbelievable. But it's been so exciting to see him playing as well as he has been. it, it looking comfortable too because, you know, let's be real, he's getting older, like – Everybody, but we, you just never know with hockey and the, the pace of it and injuries. Like, when is his career going to come to a close? And the, fa- the fact that he's playing well right now and he's healthy and he's looking good uh, nothing, nothing better in the, the whole wide world than that. Uh, Taylor, what, what have your thoughts been on, on Sid as of late?
2: And Crosby did actually hit, you know, a big milestone uh, in that game. He, it was his 400th career multi-point game. He had two primary assists, um, and I mean, that's just crazy. Looking back, he was—he's only the 14th player in, in NHL history to ever do that. And if you look at the list. Of the 13 to come before him, they're all in the Hockey Hall of Fame except for one, and it's Yager. I mean, if you want to talk about longevity, it's Yager. And the only reason Yager's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame yet is because he's still playing, and so he's not yet eligible. So um, eventually, all 14 of those players will make it into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, between Crosby and Yager, who makes it first? I don't think Yager's ever going to stop playing <laughs> before Yager. but uh, yeah, just uh, just a big big mi- milestone for him. Not the mm-hmm. only what milestone too. Latang he had his 600th career point, what yep. 43rd defenseman to ever do that, and I believe the second fastest among active defensemen behind Eric Carlson. So uh, wow. I, feel, I feel like we're again like the core is getting older, and then you bring in someone like you know like Jeff Carter too. I feel like we're talking about milestones. Every single week, mm-hmm. every week, there's a new one. It's like
1: someone's yeah. X amount of games played, someone's you know record here. It's <laughs> it's insane.
0: Yeah, it is insane. But when you look at the things like points scored and goals scored and those milestones, the fact that these guys are aging, and it's not really slowing down at the same pace as their age as they're aging, it's just it's crazy that they're still playing. And performing as well as they are given the amount of injuries that they've had. I mean, good grief, Chris Latang had a stroke. Like, the, these guys have been through it and they are still playing like it, no big deal. They, they're just, it's another day for them. They're just scoring and racking up points. But yeah, that's just what we do. Because, so, um, uh,
2: you know, Montreal was in town. It's a bunch of French-speaking media. Letang does, like, a French availability, too. Um, and after practice Monday, I believe he was asked how long he wants to play, how old you know, he wants to play. Uh, and he said it until mm-hmm. he's 45, I believe is what he said. So, again, that's very that's a very Yager-like answer, although I think Yager said, like, 60. Um, <laughs> Not so, surprised. Yeah. Um, God, one time, Yager, they asked him, like, how long he's going to play. And he said, well, he eats – Eight muffins a day, and he knows that when he stops playing because he eats so many muffins, he's going to get fat. So he said, "So you know, the period in his life between not playing hockey and death, he wants to be very short." He said, "Because otherwise, he's going to get fat from all the muffins." He said that in like an ESPN interview once, like Reese. I think it was oh my God. With, like the Devils. Now you could just eat more, less muffins, fewer
1: muffins. There is a but, simple solution here. Nope, gotta keep playing hockey. <laughs> so. So you can oh, eat the muffins. I honestly respect the move. I also need to know what kind of muffins these are. I know. You I don't think yeah. Letang off has the chip. What are we going <laughs> with here?
3: I
2: don't think Letang has quite the same uh, reason for the motivation to keep playing. I don't think Letang is <laughs> like.
1: They can make up for the muffins, but
0: oh uh, my word
1: the day that I, I don't think chris Tang eats muffins i would not say that oh, no son. based on that man and not in a weird way but based on that man's body fat percentage i don't mm-hmm. think he's
0: eating eight muffins a day no so. no definitely not he's too fit yeah <laughs> oh my god all right why don't we take a break we will be right back
2: All right, and welcome back to Podcasts on Fifth Avenue. We're joined now by former Steelers kicker, Sean Sweet. I'm Sean, how are you doing today?
4: Thanks for having me. I'm doing great.
2: Yeah. Is this your first time in a hockey podcast?
4: I'm not a huge podcaster. <laughs> I generally like to talk on the phone or email, so this is out of my comfort zone.
2: Okay, I guess we'll take it at you, Sandy, then. The reason we brought you on, not to talk about football, but uh, because you're coaching girls hockey in the Penguins Elite program. We'll get into that in a little bit, Um, but first, just what was your hockey background uh, growing up? How long did you play, Uh, and when did you make that switch full-time to to football?
4: Sure. I grew up in Canada and Southern Ontario, and grew up loving the game of hockey. Started as a figure skater, turned into a hockey player shortly thereafter, and Um, really the only reason I ever left the game was because football took me away from it. Uh, But played an awful lot of hockey, came to the U.S. when I was 18 and took a break from hockey until my last couple of years with the Steelers. I had the blessing from Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin to start playing hockey in the offseason again. So it started um, and then unfortunately hurt my knee. But the good news is with hockey and it didn't hurt my knee, and I loved the game, so I fell back in love with it, and I have two daughters, 10 and 12, Sienna and Stella, and I'm lucky enough to coach them and and all the other girls on their teams.
2: I read somewhere, um, your first training camp at Bowling Green, you, you showed up with a broken hand from hockey still, is that the case?
4: That's a true story. <laughs> I I, should, I had no idea what I signed up for, but it was a, a pretty cool opportunity, so left home I didn't have kicking cleats I showed up with a broken hand from, from a <laughs> hockey fight and um, I I don't know how I got to where I am now but uh it's been it's been fun but hockey has always been a very important part of my life
2: you, you said a hockey fight I mean what kind of a hockey player are you? You, you goon give us a scouting report
4: <laughs> I don't know maybe I'm better than Kiesel but he's improving you know <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, we were going to ask you about Kiesel, you know, later on. But, I mean, Kiesel has been involved in a lot of these, you know, kind of charity things and, and on the ice. What what kind of a player is he? I watched him in that, that charity game. It looks like he can move.
4: Brett is a, is a very good buddy of mine, and we have a lot of fun together. And it's been really fun to see him fall in love with the game of hockey. All his kids are playing hockey, and I'm lucky enough that his daughter Grace is on the ice when I'm coaching as well.
1: That's just got to be such a cool dynamic for you,
4: too. I mean, because
1: was it, has he been on skates a lot prior to getting on them with you guys?
4: He started, I, I, I don't think he started before he was done playing football. And him him and I finished around the same time. And it's been fun to watch him. When he first started, he had these awful skates on that weren't built for a man of his stature. And uh, we finally got him into a stiffer boot and was a little, little safer. Uh, for him (laughs) and maybe people around him too
1: Yeah, I love that but we'll go back a little bit to kind of your you know hockey fandom growing up southern Ontario so what were you a Leafs fan growing up
4: big Leafs fan growing up absolutely
1: all right all right so what's your take on them right now
4: well but but football is taking me on a journey you know and So I used to play for the Redskins, the Washington football team now, and um, became a Caps fan and had a lot of fun with those guys. And I used to be around there all the time. Uh, Ovechkin and Backstrom and Mike Green, they came out and kicked field goals one day. And they're great guys. When I got to Pittsburgh, uh, Kevin Colbert found out about this, and he, he quickly put me in touch with the Penguins. And I have been a massive Penguins fan ever since. They've been creative and fortunate enough to play in some alumni skates. And also before COVID came along, I used to skate with their staff at the, at the big rink all the time. So they've been, they've been, they've been awesome to me. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of the Penguins and their organization.
2: I remember.
1: Oh, go ahead.
2: Taylor. I was going to say, I remember when you were playing, you know, like, you know, like Wayne Gretzky would show up sometimes. I remember, you know, uh, there were pictures of like, you on the sideline with him or like Bruce Boudreaux showed up and you met, uh, you know, him at, a, are there any like fun, you know, memories from the, Yeah, lots of great people? stories.
4: I, I basically lived my hockey dream through football. You know, it's been a path that I didn't expect, but it's been awesome. You know, um, Thomas Tall, who you might know his name is, he was neighbors with Wayne Gretzky and we were out in San Francisco and, and Thomas called me. He said, come down. There's somebody I want you to meet. So I came down and um, Wayne Gretzky was there with a the jersey for me and just an unbelievable experience yeah. for me. And when I was in Washington, Bruce Boudreaux was just starting as a head coach there and I got to know him. He's a great guy and I'm happy to see he's back coaching again.
2: Yeah, we're a fan of Bruce Booter on the show. <laughs> he's a great guy.
1: Big Bruce fans here on the podcast. Uh,
4: yeah. Did you
1: ever get Sid or uh, Gino or any of those guys out to kick field goals?
4: No. maybe we can do that
1: I think we need to make that happen because we need the people need to know who can kick a field goal farther Sid or Obechkin I mean the rivalry everybody talks about it we gotta know which one can do it
4: so a couple weeks ago helping out RMU we put together a fun video and I had the chance and I spoke before I actually knew if I could do it or not and I told him I could kick on the ice and it and I can, you know. So what I would like to challenge Sid to is a kicking contest on the ice. I think I'd like to do that.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I I'd, not
4: right now. Not, not right
2: now. Not yeah. Right now.
4: Maybe let <laughs> him retire season. first.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's done stuff where they had him take batting practice at PNC Park, and he was hitting homers out. Uh, so, uh, yeah, crossover. I'd I'd put some money on him. I don't know. But, um, on him? I, I, on ice? <laughs> the ice
1: um, is the factor. Oh, yeah, I'll say the ice might be the factor.
4: I haven't oh, missed a field motion. goal since 2015. I've been pretty okay. good since then.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, as, <Yes>. um,
4: <laughs> I haven't kicked one either, but I haven't missed. <laughs>
2: there you go. Um, As we mentioned earlier, I mean, so you're coaching now the Penguins Elite Program. You mentioned you coach your daughter. Just uh, How long have you been doing that, and how did you get into that?
4: I started coaching kids in hockey while I was still playing football, um, probably in 2000, late 2014 or maybe early 2015. Actually, the first year the, the rink opened with UPMC. I was at the Lemieux Centre. I was there helping out. Um, I've helped at other local rinks, at the, the Barrel Rink. Jim Black has a great program for girls there, and the Lady Cats. So we started helping girls, and that's much more of an entry-level uh, beginner level, which is an awesome program. And I still try to help out there when I can. And then fast forward now, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to coach um, the girls at the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite Program, and I love it. And it's it's purposeful to me. I enjoy doing it. Um, it it's really special to see these ladies come together and I'm doing my very best um, to help provide them and create an environment that I had as a kid through sport and we're, we're doing it with the girls through hockey and it's um, it's really special and, and pretty, pretty cool to be part of it.
1: And along those lines too, what growth have you kind of seen in just girls hockey and in the sport in itself, since you got into coaching and since your girls got into playing?
4: My goal when I first started was to, well, it, it first started actually at the rink we were talking about and, and I'm watching girls and this is as my girls are younger, but I'm watching the older girls and they're getting ready in the bathroom or in a referee room and, and I'm watching it and I'm, I'm thinking we could do more. There could be more for these ladies. And my goal was to hopefully uh, be part of something, not only for my daughters, but for the, for all the girls in this area to, to be able to share a locker room with their peers uh, which is very important in hockey, in my opinion, and, and in sports, to, to share that. And and also create an environment where the girls, um, they don't have to give up their development um, in order to have the, the awesome experience in a locker room with girls. And so what we've done is we, we now have our girls' teams playing at a pal AA level of boys hockey. So now I can tell parents and tell kids look if you if you play on our hockey teams um you don't have to give up development in order to share this awesome experience with girls. You know, and I I think it's it's been pretty fun um to watch this happen and to get to the point where we're playing these I, when I call them boys teams, they're, they're technically co-ed, but they're dominated by boys. So just for the sake of the conversation, I'll call them boys teams. And when we play them, it's been great because those teams, those boys, those coaches are no longer, um, looking at our team as a team of girls, but as a hockey team, you know, and it's really special. And that's how I coach them as hockey players. And that's how we treat them. And, and, um, we certainly push the girls, and it's fun to watch their them respond. It's been it's been uh, very rewarding for me, and the amount of work the girls put in um, is special. And you know, would probably leads us to now talking about college hockey and the importance of a program like RMU, local to Pittsburgh. Why is it so important? There aren't an awful lot of opportunities at that caliber of play for girls and for females in in hockey so when we take one of those opportunities away not only does it take away the opportunity for those ladies that are fortunate enough to make it there but it also pulls away that thought that idea that dream for those girls that work and they push themselves and they grow so much forget about hockey but just prepare them for life become our future leaders and when we lose that in Pittsburgh you know I it hurts I, I want to see more opportunities for for our girls our daughters um, and like you said you know again our futures of the leader uh, excuse me our leaders of the future and um, we need to fight for those opportunities for our girls I, I feel that, I believe it and I know the power of sport I am a perfect example of that and I don't want my daughters, the girls of this area, not to have it because, um, you know, I, I don't want to say why, but I, I just would like to see that preserved for, for them in this area. It'd be great.
2: Do you uh, follow the women's professional game at all? And Do you think, you know, just given the growth of girls hockey in this area, that Pittsburgh could be a viable market for a team?
4: Sure. It, it, it's an unbelievable game. You know, and you watch the skill of these ladies playing the game, and it's it's grown so much, and their their skill set and their talent is so high, and hockey's so exciting, you know, and and because they're females, it does not fall short of being awesome hockey, you know. So I would love to see continued growth. We have been fortunate to to have a program that we're involved with with um, um, Pip Premier Ice Prospects, which is an all girls led by a female girls hockey company that's dedicated to spring opportunities um, for spring hockey for, for ladies to help drive them towards college and, and also regular season um, hosting awesome tournaments dedicated strictly and entirely for girls. You know, we just came back from Erie in one, which was, was awesome. It, it's really fun to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the international level, the U.S. women and U.S. Canadians team—that's like one of the most exciting rivalries in hockey. I don't know if you're if you follow that. Of course um, they do. So when yeah. we watch in
4: our house, we always say we can't lose, you know, because <laughs> we, uh, we carry two passports in, in this <laughs> house, and it it it's fun to watch. Yes, we certainly we certainly keep up with them.
2: Yeah, what are, what are you hop, hoping to do in, in your future with coaching? Do you expect to maybe move up in the levels eventually, maybe get into college or move up with your girls? Or what's what's in the future for you?
4: My, my goal doing this is, and I don't do it for money. It, it's trying to give back to a community that's been so wonderful to my family and um, trying to hopefully find little ways here and there to leave hockey in a better place in this area than, than how we found it. And um, there are an awful lot of people doing great things for girls hockey and I'm I'm watching it happen. And um, it's been fun to, to watch it, you know, and our, our program, the Pensley program is um, doing a great job creating these opportunities since I've been there. They're now they offer full-time opportunities for our girls and um, continue to watch the growth of our, young ladies has is, is been really special and I'm happy to, to hopefully some of them, you know, feel in some small way I've, I've um, added to, to hockey for them. I, I hope that's the case because I certainly love doing it.
1: Now, one of the big, I guess, hockey related stories that really kind of hit the Pittsburgh community a little bit earlier this year was the horrendous chance towards the Mars goalie. And I believe that I read that you made it a point you wanted your girls to go to the game that they were having at the MC Lemieux Center to kind of rally around her, support her why was that so important to you? I mean, you talk about wanting to make the world of hockey better than when, you know, you first got in Why was that such a big part of, you know, a lesson, I guess, to kind of show your team, like, Hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be supportive.
4: Sure. That's a great question. And to be clear, we're, we're talking about kids, you know, and so we all fall short. We all make mistakes. Um, I would assume that they'll all learn and grow from that moment, but Beyond that, it it was important for every single one of our our players on both my teams. Every single team within a girls' team within our organization was also there. Um, There were some local college uh, players there, Uh, the local PAL teams were there. It was really special to see the entire girls' uh, hockey community come together. And it, it, you know, it, it was just a show of support whether you're playing with all boys, whether you're on all girls team that, Hey, that wasn't okay. You're not, you're not in this alone. We're here with you, you know, and it was really special to, to get out there and cheer for her. And there was a couple nice moments where I saw her, her look over from net and, and see our, our girls lined up on the glass and give them a smile. So it was really special. Those girls were genuine. They were sincere. They wanted to be there. Um, and I thought it was a really neat moment for, uh, girls hockey and Pittsburgh in general to, to show support that that's not something that's okay. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. But Hey, we've got your back. It was a good moment
2: awesome yeah that's awesome i'm here it's good to hear that you're doing some great things in the community in the pittsburgh hockey community uh we'll have to have you back on the show when you, when you have your kicking competition of sydney crosby get a get a <laughs> preview lining up to that but uh yeah thanks again uh for joining
4: thanks so much
2: yeah we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back uh keep it
0: And we're back. A big thank you to Sean Sweezum for coming on the show and, and talking with two of us. Uh, I'm so what? sad that I will have missed it. I, I was really looking forward to it. But, you know, duty calls. Around the league, though, there's some news. A uh, general manager, former general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Jim Rutherford, was hired by the Vancouver Canucks as the president of hockey operations And he, in his media availability, first with the team, was asked some questions, uh, one specifically about whether or not he learned anything from the signings of Jack Johnson and Erica Branson. And he had some curious things to say about that.
3: Well... I uh, I use analytics a lot, and I really like it, but it's not what I make my decision on. And you make uh, hockey decisions for different reasons, and I don't regret making those two decisions because Jack Johnson uh, was a big part of our dressing room and a big part of our team, and uh, he did some good things for us. He didn't get a good chance in Pittsburgh because he was never accepted from day one. And uh, so you you're not going to have all skilled skating guys. In Grabranson's case, we were looking for, we needed defense at that point in time, and we needed a physical guy because we didn't have one. <clears throat> I like his character, and he served a purpose when he was there. But it got to a point that it, he affected our cap, and so that's when he got moved on. So you're going to have different kind of players. I don't regret those two, two moves at all in Pittsburgh.
0: And I know that we all have thoughts about (laughs) that specifically. I, I understand that there's a certain level of, I don't know if you would call it bedside manner. You don't want to just come right out and be like, that was a terrible signing. Uh, I should never have done it. That guy was trash. It, It was whatever. But to, to not acknowledge the total disconnect of not only length and salary of Jack Johnson's Five deal. Five years. Um, yeah, that we're still paying. That we're still paying. Um, we as, in, as if I have like financial <laughs> capital on the team. <laughs> the payments are still paying it. But to I, I, y- there is a way to diplomatically say it probably was not the right fit for the team. It probably wasn't a good decision for the current state of the team. Maybe I learned that I shouldn't sign guys to five-year deals for this many millions worth of dollars when they don't even fit into the system of the head coach of the team. But to come right out and say, no, I I stand by that. I think that it was (sighs) the right thing is just – absolutely ludicrous to me and that you know he won two cups here that is excellent but he made some really weird decisions in his final final years with the team and then it just peace out like you can't you can't divorce the two things like they all happened in his time here and you can be thankful for what he did right but also (laughs) like wonder what was he thinking in his final years yeah so Taylor what are your thoughts
2: yeah I mean like you said Jim Rutherford's legacy here is not you know signing Jack Johnson um (laughs) but again I think like you said I think that he could have answered that in in I don't know what I would have liked to have seen him say I guess is you know because he praised Jack Johnson he said you know he was great in our room and all that you could have said that but like but he really wasn't a fit on the ice yeah. Um so maybe I learned something there but no he didn't he said no regrets at all. So <laughs> I don't know. And I think a buyout is if if that doesn't exemplify regret, I don't know what does. I mean yeah. <laughs> you <didn't. laughs> like, if you, you said you know they're still paying him um they're paying him through the um they're paying him for another 4 years. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, god. Um this season, it's not over yet. Yeah, this season is cap hit is one point two million. Um, it actually varies. So it's funny, you know, the the NHL salary cap upper limit increases by one million dollars next season. Jack Johnson's cap hit on the Penguins increases next season by seven hundred fifty thousand. So that's where that is going. Um, so you see, the salary cap is going up. Really, not for the Penguins because mm-hmm. they're paying Jack Johnson almost two million dollars next season. And then the final three oh years, God. it's about $900,000. Um, so, again, if that's not regret, I don't know what does. <laughs> again, Jim Rutherford, I don't think he cares because that's not his problem anymore. He's in Vancouver. I think the the biggest issue I, I saw with what he said was um, he didn't get a good chance in Pittsburgh because he was never accepted from day one. Now, I don't think... That means, like, you know, by Sullivan or, you know, because Jack Johnson, he got playing time. He barely was scratched. I think he's talking about, you know, public perception. Hmm. And that's just not true because if Jack Johnson would have played well, he could have shed that. You look at Cody Cece. Cody Cece, when he came in, really kind of had a similar reaction. I mean, the the contract Mm -hmm. was not nearly as bad. But Cody Cece played so well that by the time he left inside in Edmonton, fans were pissed. So mm-hmm. Jack, Jack Johnson could have gotten rid of that. Even, you know, yeah. talking about bad contracts, Brandon Tanev got signed. That's exactly what uh, it Yeah. Uh-huh. People hated that contract. But yep. Brandon Tanneff played well enough that people forgot about that. So totally. to say yep. that, you know, well, you know, Jack Johnson just never got a chance here, referring to public perception, that really doesn't ch- check out for me. Yep. Um Yeah, I mean, back to just Jim Rutherford as a whole, yeah, this is not going to be his legacy, but I think, you know, okay, without Jim Rutherford, they still have three Stanley Cups, but yeah, that's true, that's going to be his legacy, but then I think you also still have to recognize that he made a lot of moves like this that closed that window Mm -hmm. shut, so uh, both things can be true. Yep. Winning those two Stanley cups does not make him immune to criticism um and this is a this is a huge thing good Branson I don't think Good Branson is is that big of a deal. Good Branson is fine no. here, and again you you look back at you know when they brought him in they they had some injuries yeah uh, it was a bad contract but and then But they really unloaded it for for nothing by the end. Mm -hmm. He really wasn't here that long. And he was fine when he was with Marcus Pedersen, briefly. Goodbranson, not that big of a deal. The reason Jack Johnson and Goodbranson were brought up together is because the reporter was asking specifically about defensemen, like in relation to Quinn Hughes somehow. So that's why those two were brought up. I think there are other bad moves you could – bring up like uh, acquiring Reeves and then the moves they made to undo the Reeves trade Mm -hmm. and the fallout from all that. And like Brassard being tied in there. There's a lot of bad things that happened after 2017. Um, So, and then of course the the wages Rutherford resigned in the middle of the season. I think Mm -hmm. fans have reason to be critical years from now. This is not what we're going to remember, but you can't just act like it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So,
1: yeah, Jenna, how
0: do you feel about all that?
1: What are your thoughts? So you guys kind of both hit the nail right on the head there. That just, I mean, because again, it's not like his legacy is going to change or anything like that. And I'm, I'm intrigued to kind of see what he's going to do with Vancouver because obviously mm-hmm. this president of hockey ops role is a little bit different. Uh, or, I mean, it's drastically different. I can't even say a little bit different. Um, <laughs> and, and it almost, you know, now that they have Brian Burke in this role, I think the thing for me that was intriguing is like, would there have potentially been the chance for this here for him? And would he have wanted to kind of transition away from being the GM of the team and say, Hey, I'm going to step into this role. Obviously, one of those, you know, we'll never know right now type things, but that is kind of intriguing to me. Would Mm. that have happened? Could that have happened? Um, But I think for, you know, I mean, with a franchise like Vancouver, it's interesting because they are a lot younger, they, you know, are rebuilding. They've also, I, I just love the dynamic too with like him and coach now because it was like, wait a second, you were set such, I mean, granted, obviously him being the front office, but like you were bitter rivals now. It's like, oh, just kidding. We're together now.
0: <laughs> I just love it. It's, yeah. I don't and know. I Yeah.
2: Bruce Boudreaux's first NHL goal was scored on Jim Rutherford. And, and he, <laughs> <laughs> Rutherford was asked about that too. Um in his in his first media availability and he said, you know, uh, he and I were friends. Uh he was having trouble scoring on anyone else, so I let him have that one. So um Absolutely. yeah, two 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 just good personalities and Boudreaux and in Jim uh, Rutherford, so that dynamic is gonna be um fun to watch. Yeah. I, yep. I every, every time Boudreaux we talked about it before, but every time Boudreau talks, there's like something quotable coming out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um Yep. Yeah. Fun
0: situation in Vancouver. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things about Jim Rutherford that was always so, um I, I don't even know what the right word would be. Because entertaining implies positivity. But he was very trigger happy with deals and the trade deadline. Like, he, that dude loves to make a signing and trade for people, whoever, anybody. Let's get it done. Like, big deal, don't care. Little deal, let's do it. Yeah. Huh. I think from the outside now that actually might be a lot of fun to watch because uh, on trade deadline day, as a Penguin fan, when he was running the show, it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What is he going (laughs) to do? But now, like, and it wasn't always all bad because he did. You know, he brought in Phil Castle. Like, it's not like he was this – bulldozer terrible tornado that always destroyed everything but there was a there was a stark contrast between his first handful of years with the organization and his last handful of years and i think like you said taylor the the way that he left was just so it just felt kind yeah. of skeevy and if it hadn't ended that way i think a lot of people would be not even paying attention to what's going on with him right now. It's just the fact that he decided a week into the season. Yeah. Okay. Done. I'm gone. And then is now with the new organization saying that he doesn't regret any of his crappy signings. It's just weird. It's weird.
2: I mean, there's a lot of theories out there about why he left. I don't think we'll Mm -hmm. ever really know. Um, I, I guess I personally, I don't really care too much about that. I mean, that was very surprising. Um, but again, they they got Hextall in almost immediately. So, mm-hmm. the, like the thing people fans keep saying is like, oh, he abandoned the team. It, it it doesn't. It's not like you know, if a player just got up and decided they were gonna go, you know, head to back to Europe in the middle of the season. And like, you can't easily replace them. It, yeah, the GM is a little different. It's not like the Penguins just didn't have a GM. Like they brought in Hextall, who you know has a good track record. Mm-hmm. Um he came in, so it's not like they were just screwed when when he left. Yeah,
1: no. um, this isn't Calvin Benjamin retiring at halftime.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not what happened
1: here. Yeah, but anyway, it is abrupt. Yeah,
2: yeah, it or, was abrupt. Yeah. It's very surprising. Um, and I mean, what the Penguins were seeing far fewer middle-of-the-night trades because how many of those did Rutherford make?
0: Oh (laughs) my goodness, like all of them.
2: Yeah, I think like Hagelin was at like, you know, two in the morning. There there are a couple of those where um, you couldn't go to bed early. You got to have your phone uh, turned on. But um, I mean, talking about good moves, the Tuesday was the anniversary of trading Scuderi for Daily, which was one of... um, That was huge his best so mm-hmm. um yeah he, he did a lot of good things here but that doesn't yep. mean you know he's a, a deity and we gotta you know build a yeah. statue to him outside of pg <laughs> Paints Arena and pray to it like no you can still <laughs> criticize him when he's when, um he makes those bad moves and then when he mm-hmm. doubles down on them, them how many years <laughs> later um yeah just uh, surprising
0: well it'll sure be entertaining to watch what's going on in vancouver like you said with bruce bordreau and him there together. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride for Canucks fans. Uh, don't envy you at all with that one. But it will we'll be along for the ride for sure. Uh, but that is gonna do it for another episode of podcasts on Fifth Ave. Uh, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. We drop new shows every single Thursday. So make sure that you're here. Not next week because next week yeah. is christmas oh my god but after the holidays we will be back and ready to roll uh so excited to talk more penguin and with you but yeah we will see you all next time